There's 162 games of the baseball season and winter comes along just to end it. So the annual problem for a baseball fan is finding a good way to watch it. Like maybe going to the park or watching on TV or just catching the highlights. Watching Donaldson strike out again or seeing Judge hit 62 bombs. Bang! Bogart's leaving town, Kike making plays or Kenley closing the door. Debating with your friends, making dumb bets, or complaining about the umps again. As you can tell, there's a whole lot of stuff to hear before winter comes again. Let's go, y'all. So chill with us, because Gamby and Beal are going to say it all. So chill with us, because Gamby and Beal are going to say it all. Man, Fred, Gamby and Beal made a podcast. Hello and welcome back to season two of the Yank Your Socks Off podcast, a podcast produced by two best friends who despise each other's baseball teams, but love each other anyways. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in now to the show. Hello and welcome to another Yank Your Socks Off podcast. I am one of your hosts, Andrew Gambardello III, the Yankees fan of this podcast. And I will be your only host, sadly, today as Matthew David Beal is on a work trip. Our Red Sox fan is not here um, to reflect on how the Red Sox finished off the season. So we're going to push this to next week where we'll break down the Yankees and Red Sox 2023 seasons, which were both very underwhelming. Uh, but to wrap up uh, the season picks, weekly picks, uh, to refresh, I was down seven to six to Beal in our weekly predictions where we predict our team's record for that week. Beal had gotten seven right. I had gotten six right throughout the year. Came down to this last week down one. I guessed the Yankees to go three and three. That they did. I nailed it. I got to seven right. And Beal predicted two and four for the Red Sox. He also nailed it to edge me out. So I owe Beal a trip. Um, to visit him, um, and I will be doing that very shortly, and I, I can't wait to, to hang out with Beal. Uh, but for today's rest of the podcast, I will be talking about football, mainly football, and a little bit of Ryder Cup talk. Uh, so we'll jump in to Ryder Cup talk. With the Ryder Cup, Beal predicted uh, European slaughter of of the Americans um, and a domination. And that is exactly what we got. Rory McIlroy and Victor Hovland in particular were unbeatable. I think they went a combined four, eight and two, if I'm not mistaken, and one tie as well. So they collectively, they got nine and a half points, uh, were a part of nine and a half points for the European team. And you only need 14 and a half to win. Uh, the Europeans end up winning this uh, 16 and a half to, I believe it was 11 and a half. Um, that adds up to 28, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good math. Uh, so 16 and a half to 11 and a half. The Americans come up short once again on European soil and could not win in Rome. It's just same old, same old. I had predicted a tie for the U.S. to win the cup, but the U.S., has not won in Europe on European soil in 30 years. And uh, that streak is going to continue until at least four years from now. 
um, when they go back to Europe for the Ryder Cup. But the Ryder Cup is now the Europeans. They dominated. They earned it. Uh, they were clutch. They made clutch putts and clutch chip-ins all over the place. Um, and I was scratching my head at, at what was going on with with uh, Ricky Fowler not playing at all on Saturday. Um, and some of the decisions that were made by Zach Thomas. Zach, uh, Zach Johnson, um, the American captain, but until uh, two years from now, it is very difficult to win in Europe and, uh, the Europeans got it done. So congrats to team Europe. Um, and I, I can't wait, uh, for another Ryder cup. And I hope one of these days to go to a Ryder cup because it looks, it looks like an absolute blast, um, to be at and to root for, for your country, um, at, um, it, it it, I, to me, it rivals uh, the Waste Management Open on paper, uh, but, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I haven't been to either, either tournament, um, haven't gotten that opportunity, but hopefully I get the opportunity to go to both tournaments. Uh, but that does it for Ryder Cup talk. Uh, it, was, it was disappointing uh, because by the time singles matches came on Sunday, it was – it was a bloodbath by that point, and the singles matches really didn't didn't matter. The Americans needed to win nine to three um, in singles matches on on Sunday, and they were not able to do so. Uh, but not till two years from now. Uh, but what's not two years from now is what's going on in the college football landscape right now. To me, it is the most wide open college football season that I have seen in in the past five years, the past decade, I, I think any of these top 10 teams could, could win it all. I, I would not be shocked if they won the college football playoff, any of these top 10 teams, uh, except maybe number nine USC, because they have shown that they do not play defense, even though they have an electric offense with Caleb Williams as the reigning Heisman champion and probably will be the Heisman again this year. Uh, but USC just does not play defense, and that's that's going to be their kryptonite this year. But any of Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Florida State, Penn State, Washington, Oregon, all still undefeated. Oklahoma still undefeated. Washington State, UNC. I, the likes of Oklahoma, Washington State, and UNC, not really contenders in my mind, but those top eight teams right now still all undefeated. Obviously, that won't a lot of these teams play each other down the stretch, but any of those top eight teams I think could win it all. I think with 12, a 12 team college football playoff coming shortly in the future, this would have been the perfect year for the 12 team playoff to have been implemented. We will not get to see that this year, but on the bright side, it's a wide open college football season. And a lot of fans of these teams um, have, can tell themselves that they are going to win it all. And I, if I was a fan of one of those teams, I'd be very happy. I am not. I'm a fan of the South Carolina Gamecocks. We're both, both Beal and I went to school. They did not get the job done in Rocky Top this weekend. Tennessee, Tennessee did what Tennessee does on a Saturday night in Rocky Top. And uh, they rolled the, the volunteers came to play Saturday night and Spencer Rattler did not look great. His first, first time he's had a pretty bad game this year. Um, 
wasn't able to get the job done in Tennessee. And now South Carolina goes on a very, it was the start of a very tough stretch for the South Carolina football team. And this week we follow up with at Tennessee, home against Florida, a Florida team that just went to Kentucky and got got their mouths punched in and, and really took, I, that Kentucky really took it to Florida last week and ran for over 300 yards. Uh, I think they had, I'm pretty sure they had a running back that had 280 yards for Kentucky. Um, Kentucky was able to beat Florida 33 to 14. And they had, yeah, they had Ramon Davis go for 280 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. That is just not sustainable at all in the SEC if you cannot stop the run. I don't think South Carolina stops the run well. I don't think, obviously, Florida stops the run very well. I think it's going to come down to who wins that battle in the trenches um, in, in, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina this weekend. And I think that's going to be South Carolina. I think South Carolina with Spencer Rattler is going to bounce back from this loss better than Florida led by Graham, Graham Mertz, a transfer from Wisconsin. I think, I think Spencer Rattler is the much better quarterback. And I think these teams are pretty equal on paper. So I, I gotta go with the Gamecocks and I'm going with the Gamecocks in a high scoring affair. I don't, I don't think either defense is very great. I think the Gamecocks win this game 31, 24 in a, in a semi shootout. Um, Saturday afternoon. Um, so that would bring the Gamecocks to, uh, um, I believe that would bring us back to 500 on the season after losses to Georgia and Tennessee um, and UNC. So we are currently sitting at two and three facing a Florida team that is three and two, but Florida is not in the swap. They have to come to williams Bryce. And the Gamecocks are going to get it done this weekend. Um, and moving on to football, I mean, I, we were just talking about football, but na- the National Football League, the NFL, our New York football giants really did not get the job done uh, yesterday night on Monday night. And it was a very tough game to watch. Daniel Jones was running for his life. And then he started trying to get the ball out under two seconds and just went to his first read, which got him in trouble. And he threw a pick six on the goal line. And uh, I, it was tough. I went to bed at halftime and I'm very glad I went to bed at halftime as the Giants went down 24 to three at home on Monday night against the Seahawks. The Boo Birds were out in the first half and I'm sure they continued in the second half the Giants gave up 11 sacks in one game as an offensive line. That is just embarrassing. It's going to be a long season for the Giants. And I could very much see this Giants team only winning four or five games at this point. And honestly, the tank is on. The Giants go to Miami, who just lost their first game of the season. They they go now to Miami, then to Buffalo, then home against Washington and home against the Jets. I, I mean, those are the Commanders and Jets 
have been seeing that Jets just played a close game against the Chiefs and the Commanders just played a very close game against the Eagles, the two teams in last year's Super Bowl. So I think the Giants could easily go 0-4 in this next four. I think they'll find a way to win one because I still believe in Brian Dayball and his, his ability to coach um, and inspire uh, this team. But I'm looking down the stretch, and the only game that I circle that should be a, um, an easy win for the Giants or or kind or or should be a win is and that the Giants would be favored in is at the Raiders. And if Jimmy G's back healthy and maybe some injuries to the Giants, you never know in that game. Um, but Packers, Patriots, Saints, Rams, Eagles twice, Cowboys again. Those are games the Giants probably are not going to win. Maybe the Saints. I, I, I mean, this team, this team is bad. They are. I. They barely beat the Cardinals, and I thought that could have been the saving grace of the season for the Giants. But uh, say it ain't so. I think the Giants could be very well a bottom five team in the NFL this year and have a top five pick going in into next year. That's that's what they look like. They look like a bottom five team besides the Broncos, Cardinals, uh, Bears, and Panthers. I think the Giants come in right at that fifth worst. And honestly, I think the Cardinals have looked more competitive and, and better than the Giants uh, throughout this year because the Giants have been blown out three times and barely beat the Cardinals, uh, whereas the Cardinals have beaten the Cowboys, play, played – the 49ers much better and only lost by four week one at Washington. So I, I don't think the Cardinals Cardinals heard it all year coming into the season that they were going to be the worst team in football. And they have responded by playing their absolute hearts out. And uh, the rookie head coach there in, in Arizona, I'm pretty sure it's Shane Steichen. I want to say, uh, one of the Eagle, the Eagles defensive coordinator from last year. Um, pretty good. Looks like a pretty good head coach. I scratched that. It's Jonathan Gannon. Um, Shane Steichen is, was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles, who is now the head coach of the Colts. Also, same deal with the Colts. Very scrappy and, and hard-nosed team, and, and they look like they're being well-coached right now. Um, and they're surprising some people for sure as they, as they just beat – the Ravens in Baltimore in OT. Um, so last week, so it, to wrap it up, the NFL for the Giants, it's not going to be looking very pretty. Uh, probably, I, I mean, I'm going to watch every game at least the beginning of it, and it's but it's going to be a long season. Uh, this O line is really bad. The defense looked pretty decent. Uh, still, a lot of problems in the secondary with all the rookies were playing back there, but you know, I think that those will be tightened up by the end of the year, but it, it might be too late by that point. Cause this old line is so bad. Um, but in better news, uh, my, one of my fantasy teams is undefeated. So that's a good thing. And the other one is, is winless. So um, yeah, fantasy football is, is truly peaks and valleys. Um, and I, I will be probably more focused on being a fantasy football player than being a Giants fan for the rest of the, the season and planning out to go Giants to a Giants game because the show they put up this this Monday night was abysmal and I, I don't want to go pay in person to watch that because um, it is 
it is tough. Um, uh, obviously, going to stick by them. And uh, but at this point, the tank may be on already for the Giants, and uh, uh, that means a very long year again. And hopefully, they can respond next year. But very tough start, and there's going to be a lot of questions um, for our general manager Joe Schuen um, and and Brian Dayball about why they chose to pay Daniel Jones over Saquon Barkley and keep him for the long term because it has not looked good four games into the season this year. Daniel Jones looks, I mean, it looks average considering that he gets pressured within two seconds every play. So I'm not going to put so much on Daniel Jones at this point, but I don't know if I, if I trust, if, if all of my trust is in Danny Dimes anymore. And the last thing before we wrap up today's show is I got to touch on the NBA. NBA offseason looks like it's it's wrapped up almost by this point with big trades, with Drew Holiday ending up on the Celtics and Damian Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks to pair up with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. The Bucks and Celtics, the Celtics saw that, needed to make a move, but the Celtics end up giving away Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man of the year, for Drew Holiday, it's a very thin team, but their starting five for the Celtics, I think, is the best starting five in the league. But they they need to make a move for a bench spot or two because I don't think that depth can last throughout the season. Um, it all obviously comes down to who's playing the best basketball at the end of the season and who's the healthiest. But I think the team with the ability to do that the best as it stands right now is the Bucks? I mean, getting Damian Lillard, still having Pat Connaughton, Malik Beasley at the two. They have both Lopez brothers down low. Um, Bobby Portis still down low. Very, very good six man as a as a forward um, for some depth there. And then behind Chris Middleton, um, they, they got some young caliber wings that could take a step up. Um, but again, I, I think... I think the winner out of all of this and out of all these trades from this weekend was honestly the Suns because I thought the Suns coming into this season lacked any depth whatsoever. And I think quietly the Suns have become the best roster in the league. I think a lot of people are still pointing to the Denver Nuggets, obviously um, the defending champions, um, but and the Milwaukee Bucks now having Damian Lillard. But I look at this Suns depth chart. Early in the offseason, they go and grab Bradley Beal to go along with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. That is a tremendous, tremendous big three right there. And then they had DeAndre Ayton, um, a solid center. Um, nothing going to – not going to wow you. Hasn't taken that big step as a young center and has had some problems – with and, and had some confrontation with, with players on the Suns team and the coaching staff. So people were waiting for him to be traded. He was a part of this deal with Damian Lillard and ends up going to the Blazers. But the Suns get back Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Grayson Allen to be a backup point guard for them, um, who is notoriously a pretty questionably dirty player, um, but has been a, a solid role player. They also brought in Eric Gordon this, this offseason, um, Bates Diop, Yuta Watanabe, um, 
and Bol Bol um, down low. So this team, they got some young pieces. Uh, they have Joshua Kogi is, um, at the three, who is an excellent defensive player and will not be asked to do anything else other than that. Um, so I, I think the Suns are quite quietly my favorite um, team and I think they will fit very well as long as they can share the ball. I think with Beal, Booker, and Durant, I think facilitating the basketball is is going to be as long as they can do that. We'll see how how important a true point guard is for them. But I like this Suns team a lot. I think, barring any obviously barring injuries, I like the Suns quietly. Um, to make a run at this NBA championship this year. Um, but that that does it for us um, this week. Um, and for me, uh, as I didn't have my co-host um, with me this week, I hope he's having an excellent work trip. Um, and I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Um, obviously, we'll be rooting for the Giants this week at the Dolphins. I don't think they're going to be able to pull off that upset. But South Carolina will beat the Gators this weekend. Uh, as always, enjoy your sun sunrises, your sunsets, your brunches, your lunners. Uh, that does it for us. Go Gamecocks.